We're going to be in Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And um, I think this is probably familiar to most of us. Uh, oftentimes, uh, at least in the South, um, when there's wedi- uh, funerals, not weddings, funerals, um, this is read. Um, this is read as a uh, piece to the family that lost their loved one. Um, and certainly that is the case. But it's also a piece knowing that this is what Christ does for those who have believed in him, that he is their good shepherd. And so um, oftentimes we see it on moments like that or in difficult seasons. But uh, this, this morning, very last minute, decided to preach on this. It's not something that was overly planned or anything like that. And um, I tend to try to be transparent about those things. And so... Um, we're going to see what God desires to reveal to us in it. Uh, but if you would, just stand one more time with me, and we're going to read this together standing. Psalm 23, we're going to start in verses 1, and we're going to finish out the chapter all the way in verse 6. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow and death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs close. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You can be seated. I'm going to read another set of scripture. If you want to turn with me, it's in First Samuel 17, verses 34 through 36, uh, 37, 34 through 37. Um, actually, we're going to start in 31 through 37. It says, the word of, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no, one's, no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he was been a man of war from his youth. I'm going to pause. We kind of pick up where we're at now, right? David declaring to the king, Hey, look, I'm about to go fight this Philistine for you guys. And Saul responds, you can't. You're just a young guy, and this, this, this guy's a giant, and he's been a man of war his entire life. 34. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him, and I struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if it arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down lions and bears 
And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. David's response to the rejection of the king is really just to point out that he was a shepherd. That he provided for his sheep. That when one of his sheep were taken, he would hunt down the lion or the bear and he would even grab the the lion by its beard and he would kill this lion with his bare hands. This is essentially what David was telling the king. Now, this shouldn't shock us because we would know that guns have not been the most... Uh, there was more modern invention, right? But I would argue that most of us, if a lion was chasing after us and we had a good, nice gun in our hand, there would still be a little bit of fear there. But David is telling the king here, look, I can take down this Philistine because I took down this lion and this bear with my bare hands and a staff. Now, why am I talking about that? when I'm talking about Psalm 23. See, sometimes in our Psalms, you can actually pair this up with the life of the psalmist, primarily David, in moments of grief or difficulties and hardship. This is not one of those moments. We don't know what Psalm 23 is tied to in the life of David. And the reason why I read this scripture before we get into this is because this is a very intimate psalm nonetheless. David is actually taking something that is near and dear to his livelihood as a child growing up and his person in writing of the Lord in that way. Because David knew what it meant to be a shepherd. And what he's going to get at in this is that the Lord is his shepherd. That the Lord is the one that delivers him From this hardship, that he is that lamb that is carried away so often by the bear or the lion, and the Lord is the one that provides for him. So, when we read Psalm 23 this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to really look at it um, in about five sections, six sections. Uh, One is more of an overview, the others are going to be a conclusion, and then I'm going to have three points in between those things. And I'm actually going to have them on the screen. And the whole idea this morning, though, that the Lord is truly our shepherd. The Lord is truly our shepherd. Look at verse 1 with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This is an overview about what David is about to say. See, in verses 2 through verse 5, he's going to explain how the Lord is his shepherd. He's going to give specific examples of how the Lord acts as a shepherd in the life of his people. But in this, he speaks to this reality. He says, I shall not want. David was a king. So it'd be easy for us to say he shall not want because he was a king. He had all that he wanted. Even in the point of his deepest sinful moment recorded in Scripture, he still received what he desired in that moment. 
that he desired Bathsheba and he asked for her. She came and he got what he desired. So maybe it would be easy for us on the outside looking in to say that David got what he desired because he was king. But this is not what he's contributing the goodness of his life to. This is not what he's contributing the, the satisfaction and the joy of life. This is not what he's contributing what made him king in the first place to. Certainly, when, when David leaned on the, the kingship being the delivery for his good and his well-being, he sinned against the Lord. But when he leaned into and trusted in God to provide, there was this deep reality of him not wanting. It's also not because he didn't lack things in life. Sure, we can think of David's life and remember the moment in which he is actually on the run from this King Saul, living in a cave in despair. Why? Because Saul desired to kill him. And then later in his life, David's own son tries to kill him too. So he's not a perfect life where there was not a want or a desire in his life. But he's saying, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? Because of what he's about to unpack for us. So in verses 2 and 3, we're going to see this first idea that God provides rest. And you see underneath, I put this idea of good moments. That oftentimes we find ourselves in life having good moments. And God is the provider of these things. James tells us, Day. And many of the people in the room do not like when I ask that question. But the reason why we ask this question is because in James, it says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. See, the reality is that the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. And he provides good moments for us. He also provides good moments for those that are unbelievers. This is what we call common grace. That God causes the sun to rise and shine on the just and the unjust, the good and the bad. But what we see specifically in this moment, it says he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, we might think of green pastures as maybe a place in which sheep would eat. But that's not necessarily the case. See, the practice... It's the day and time with shepherds is that they would find a place that was full of green pastures, so soft green grass for the sheep to lay on where there would not be dirt or there would not be any kind of thistles or any kind of, any kind of just negative things that would impact the sleep of the sheep. So the shepherd here is literally what the role of a shepherd would do is they were guiding their sheep as they would travel is they would find a patch of grass that would be free from all obstacles. It'd be free from all difficulties and it'd be a place for them to lay down and rest. Jesus is this for us as we're going to see in just a little bit. But David is pointing out that the Lord is this for us. That he is the one that is preparing these green pastures for us. He is the one that is preparing the ground for us to rest in. To free from obstacles, free from hardships. But the unfortunate thing is so often when we find ourselves on the green pastures of this life, we tend to neglect the one that provided it for us. He goes on to say, 
that he leads me beside still waters. So this right here can be misleading as well, but in the time that the sheep couldn't drink from still water, why can sheep not drink from still water? It's gates gross. Stagnant. That's right. Stagnant leads to grossness and bad for the sheep. So what does it mean by he leads us by still waters? Because if you took this for face value, it would mean that he would provide for them something to drink that would be bad for them. But certainly that's not what the shepherd would do. So what would happen is there would be this moving body of water so that the sheep would not be taken away by the the waves and things of this such. What the shepherd would actually do is they would find rocks along the riverside and they would dam up this area this pond-like area in the river for the sheep to drink from. So this is active moment in which the shepherd isn't only leading them by paths of still waters, but he's doing so. Why? To build this damped up area for them to drink from. He's not only providing rest for them, but he's providing restoration. He's providing the, the need of their life in this moment by actively doing this. I've heard it said multiple times over the last couple of days is that God is the one that placed Micah and Lydia together. And I don't think anybody in this room would argue with that. As we look at the married couples in the room, that we would say the same thing about that is that God gave you me or you gave, you know, whatever the phrase may be for you personally. We would certainly say that God is the one that provides our mates for us. But just like that, God is sovereign and he's sovereign over all things. And being sovereign over all things, he is the one that has developed the good things around us in life. The green pastures and the places for us to drink and restore our souls. He is the provider of these things. The sheep may have thought that this water just was there for them to drink from or this pasture was there just for them to lay in. But it was this active work of the shepherd to prepare it for them. But we see in verse 3 how this is manifested in our lives. In the life of the believer. It says, He restores my soul. We're going to talk more about this in just a little bit when we look at verse 5. But isn't this the case? Like, just even practically in our lives today, how often have you found yourself just wore out? Maybe it was last night for you guys that were in the wedding and you were on the go from Thursday skydiving, getting wore out by fear. And then Friday, the busyness of getting ready for a wedding and then the wedding all day Saturday. Or maybe it was the other people in the room that was watching all of my kids for me and Sarah and we were trying to make sure the wedding went well. Or maybe it was just that. And then when you lay down finally last night or in these other moments of life and you just found yourself falling asleep and you just had this deep sleep where you were just restful. This is what he's saying. Is that these moments that the shepherd provides for his people of laying down in green pastures and leading them by still waters, it restores their soul. But not only that, But he says, he leads me in paths of righteousness. See, this leads me is 
in, in this moment in life, there was no paved roads, right? There was no phones. I'm just saying that for my, uh, my daughter. There was no electricity. There was no paved roads. There might have been rocky trails and things of the such. But it would have been more like what we imagine a wagon trail today. Um, some of you may have no idea what that's like. But it's like the path that was from between my home and my grandmother's home that was just a path that was developed because we walked it so often. And we might have broke down a limb here or a tree there, so we had this path. But it was a path that was just developed because it was well-traveled and traveled often. That's what this path would have been. And when he's still obstacles there, that the shepherd would have to lead them through carefully. But he's saying, look, the Lord is this. He's the one that is leading me on this path. What path for us? Righteousness. He is the one that is leading us to righteousness, to sanctification, to being more like his son. Certainly, we are called to participate in this and being disciplined spiritually and being in the word and being in prayer. And as Russell preached last week, committing to fasting and committing to these things, we're certainly called to do these things. But the Lord is the one who makes us righteous. But don't miss this last part because I think this is key. For his name's sake. Not for the sake of the sheep, but for the sake of the shepherd. It's certainly God loves and cares for his people. If he didn't, he would have allowed us to be damned to hell and spend an eternity away from him as soon as sin entered the world. If there was not an affection and a desire for his own glory, he would have just killed Adam and Eve in the spot on the spot and started all over again. Or instead of providing Noah and the ark to provide a second opportunity, he would have just casted it down there. But the Lord is the Lord who provides for his people out of a love for them, but most certainly out of desire of his own glory and his own honor. And yes, we may look at this and say, isn't that quite selfish of God? But if there's a being in this world that can be selfish and that can be holy and can do both of those things, it's God. Why? Because God is the God that has created us. Therefore, he owns us. And in owning us, we are accountable to him. And he can tell us how to live and he can be jealous for us. Why? Because he is God. God provides for us rest. These are often the good moments in life. But the thing that we don't like to recognize is the next point is that God provides the difficulties in life as well. These are the darkest moments. These are the hardships. These are, insert now, whatever hardship you've been through in life that seemed unbearable. For some of us, it could be this constant fight of sin. For some of us, it could be this loss of a loved one. It could be a transition that has been difficult. It could be whatever it was for you. And I know that people like to take and say that this can't be the case because God is not the author of evil and that he certainly is not. But if God is sovereign over the good, he is also sovereign over the bad things in our life. It is because he has a desire and a reason for those moments. Look at verse 4. It says, Even though I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. These are that dark moments. I don't know exactly what this would have looked like, but most likely some kind of um, 
essentially a valley area that would have been rocky and just difficult uh, to travel alongside for the shepherd, but even so much more for the sheep. This is why he talks about a rod that would be used to kind of grab them in case they were falling and staff and whatnot. We'll look at that in a second. But this would have been a hard travel. This would have been a small traveling area. It had been easy for the sheep to fall. And he says, I will fear no evil. The sheep followed the master no matter what. Why? Because they trusted the master. They were not afraid of the circumstance ahead of them. Not because they were just dumb sheep that didn't think about things. Because, I mean, right before service, we watched this video of a horse jumping from like 80 feet. <laughs> didn't know that was a thing, but apparently it is. Animals will do whatever you train them to do. And that's not what he's getting at here. What he's getting at here is that these sheep followed the master. Why? Because the master cared for them and loved them and provided for them. And they knew there was no fear in these moments of difficulties. Why? Because the shepherd was with them. He says, for you are with me. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was used to defend the sheep from the outside. So certainly David talked about grabbing the lion by his bare hands with the beard and all of those things. But he would have had a staff, and that staff's purpose would have been to beat something terribly, probably to death. It was to provide for the sheep from outside enemies. But the staff had a multi-purpose, and the staff is kind of like, um, y'all... Mary had a little lamb, you know, it had the staff and it has this hook on it, right? It, this was the staff and the staff had a multi-purpose. One, it was just a walking stick for the shepherd because these were weary journeys. Um, but it also doubled as this instrument to protect the sheep from the internal danger. So it had the hook on it so they could grab the sheep and pull them. Or if they were falling off the cliff, they could grab them and pick them up or whatever the case may be. That there was two instruments here that he mentions. It's the rod and the staff. One was to protect from the external. and One was to protect from the internal. Certainly this is the same need that we have in our life. Scripture tells us that we war not with flesh and blood, but with spirituals and principalities. But we also should be aware of our own sinful hearts that lead us astray so often. That there is an internal battle within each and every one of us, but there's an external battle that we should trust in the Lord in. But that phrase there, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. See, God only provides in these good moments of rest, but God is the God that is alongside of us even in the darkest, most difficult moments of our lives. Then verse 5. I think this is an awesome point here. And maybe this is something that we take and we would say, my cup overflows, but we're not exactly sure what we're saying when we say it. Verse 5, we see that God provides restoration. And this is the recovery moment. This is the moment where... Maybe you found yourself in those good moments, but then you hit those darkest moments and now you're in that recovery moment where God is providing this restoration for you. 
says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, David could have meant this very literally as he had many enemies. And as you read his Psalms, you see him speaking of them often. But in the life of a shepherd, what they would do is they were traveling this same green grass they would be looking for. They would be looking for a grass for the sheep to eat. But what they would do is, and sheep, as we've already discussed, are dumb animals. They would have probably jumped off of a high road uh, rope. Um, they would eat anything. And so what the shepherd would do is they found this place for them to eat is they would go in and they would remove all of the poisonous things that would hurt or harm them, that they would take the enemies away so that the sheep could eat freely. And so the shepherd would prepare a table for these sheep in the grass, essentially, but do so in such a way that they remove the enemies from them. That in the moment of this enemy in front of them that would, could cause them much harm and struggle, the shepherd is restoring them providing for them, taking away this threat. But then it says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Certainly in scripture, we see this idea of anointing, uh, specifically with oil. James tells us to anoint one another and have the elders of the church pray for you when you're sick. But I think he's a double meaning here. And I think the first meaning is that of connecting it, it to a sheep. And what would happen is, well, let me ask. Uh, you guys were in my home. Uh, I remember you specifically having this problem. Uh, you were at my home on Thursday, and we were sitting outside. And what did you notice? And what was the biggest nuisance of all? Do you remember? No? Mosquitoes. Oh, yeah. Man, it was terrible. I joked with you. I was like, yeah, you, you, you have more mosquitoes around you because you weren't participating. Um, but anyway, um, so mosquitoes are terrible. And man, the sheep would have this problem. There would be bugs that would bite them, that would bother them, ticks, things of the such. And what would happen is that the shepherd would actually have to go from sheep to sheep. And they would have to inspect these sheeps. sheep. Yeah. And they would have to remove the bugs and they would have to remove the outside elements that are causing rashes and things of the such. And then they would have to anoint it with oil. And they would have to take and just imagine a shepherd with a sheep just rubbing down oil on their animal and doing this individually. This is a love for this animal that this shepherd is displaying here. To find every bug bite that's on them and to take care of them. Certainly for themselves, right? Because they can't go to the market with a sheep that's got infection because of bug bites. But it was also as a love and a care for these animals. And this is what David is saying of the Lord. He said, he prepares a table for me so that in, in, even in the difficult moments I, I'm provided for, and that he's taking all the outside elements that are causing struggles and difficulties and he's anointing me with oil. He does this for us. He takes that time and he loves us and he cares for us, those that are his, in a special way. And he gives us attention and time to provide for us and to restore us. This was no small task. This was a difficult and timely task that it would take the shepherd to do this. 
and gave every one of these sheep attention. And I think all of this leads to the point to where verse 6 means so much. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David was confident of this throughout all of his writings. Even when he found himself in the most difficult moments, David was even confident of this, that he calls himself the righteous one. Why? Because he was looking forward to the righteous one that was to come, that he was a shadow of. But he was confident in this, that God would be the provider for him all of his days. And even past that. Now, what about for us? Is this the same shepherd that we have? I would say so. But I think that David was a shadow of the one that would come on the scene. And in John chapter 10, verses 14 through 18, would say, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my, on my accord. And I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. He says, I am the good shepherd. David was looking forward to the Christ that was to come in most of his writings, I believe. And just a pure trust in the Lord as a whole. But the amazing thing about this is for those who have trusted in Jesus, have turned away from their sin and repented of their sin and trusted in Jesus to save them. This is what Jesus says about you. He says, I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. That Jesus is the good shepherd that laid down his life for his sheep. Just as this example that we see of a shepherd in chapter 23 of Psalm. That they're willing to protect even in the most difficult moments. To take individually and provide for them their needs. That Jesus did that for us by laying down his life. Now certainly... In 17 and 18, he says, I lay it down on my authority. They don't take it from me. And not only is that, but I bring it back. And so Jesus is saying, I have authority over life and death. And I'm going to lay it down, but I'm going to come back. But listen to this next verse in verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. What is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about the separation of his earthly ministry and the ministry of the spirit that was to come. That the, in this moment, there was his sheep that he was bringing into the fold. And when he called them, they knew his voice and they came. The shepherd would speak out loud and the sheep would follow him. They wouldn't follow other shepherds, but follow the voice of their shepherd. 
That's why in this same set of scripture, since the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he has to go by the gate, that he has to go over the gate, not through the, the gate of the sheepfold. In this day and time, in Jesus' day and time, they would have this communal sheepfold to where all of the sheep would go in and they wouldn't like tag them or anything, but the shepherd would stand at the gate and they would make this call, similar to that of like a, a parent's whistle or a snap that gets everybody's attention. No, he didn't do it, man. Um, it was this call that got their attention and they would come to him. Jesus has said, I am this good shepherd. When I call, my sheep come to me. And there's not even, there's some that's not in this fold yet, but they're going to be in this fold. And when I call them, they're going to answer. And this is what Jesus does in saving us now. This is the call and pull of the Spirit in our lives. Jesus is the good shepherd that we see in Psalm 23. I read this this morning. I'm not going to go in as much detail, but come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is that not verses 2 and 3 spelled out in just a different way? He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me by still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus is not only our good shepherd, but he is the shepherd that gives us rest. He does so even amongst the wolves. Matthew 10, 16. For behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. See, Jesus never promised life would be free of obstacle or issue and just like the shepherd here knew that his sheep were going to go through moments that they would need the help of the shepherd in we find rest in Jesus even in those moments as well but the joy of all of this is found in John 14 25 through 27 these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Is this not verses 4 through 6 again? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. They comfort me, that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the the new covenant. The Holy Spirit is the seal of the new covenant. This promise in which God is fulfilling in the Spirit that He's not only going to call us to Himself as we see in John 10, but He's going to renew us anew daily. This is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Now, very, very briefly. I don't know what this means for everyone in the room. Some of you I know extremely personally, and some of you I don't. I'm 
so glad I forgot to meet all of you. And even those that I know oh so well, oftentimes we don't know what each other's going through. John 14 would tell us the Spirit is with us and therefore he is the one to interpret this to us. But what I do know is that when I think of my own life, um, I, I shared a brief text message with Noah, I guess Monday or Tuesday of this past week. I don't remember what day it was. Um, and I really just ex- expressed that this last few weeks has just been more like this just hard time spiritually. Um, for me, like just been hard. Like, um, like this text that I was going to preach this morning, uh, Acts 20, 17 through 38, I believe. Um, I actually had three weeks to prepare that, but I couldn't get it done. Um, I don't know why I couldn't get it done. Maybe it's because God desired for me to preach Psalm 23, and if I put all that work into it, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have listened to the work of the Spirit in my life. I don't know. But I do know that it's just been hard. Like, I'm just being transparent for a moment. It's been a hard few weeks for me. Um, but you wouldn't know that unless I just told you that. And I just told you that, so now you know it. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with just the reality of Psalm, I mean that Psalm, Acts 20, 17 through the end of that chapter, Paul is given his departure, and in that departure, he talks to those in Ephesus, and he tells those in Ephesus, and you guys will never see me again, um, which is a reminder to me, though certainly I will see those that are a part of this church again, oftentimes as a church, we're sending people out that we won't see the same way we see now. Um, and that kind of thought began with us commissioning Aaron out. And then as I see that Mike and Lydia's time is coming up and Noah and Molly's time is coming up, it's just that constant reminder for me that, hey, look, this is happening. Um, and I think maybe that has a part to do with what's been going on in my life. Um, the reason why I say this isn't so that I seem cool because I'm transparent or that you guys know personally what's going on because I could have shared this with everybody else tonight at 5 uh, or not shared it at all. Um, but I say this to say is that no matter what, this is something I've reminded myself of and have done a terrible job in it. And so I think God maybe had me preach this mainly for myself, uh, is that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. No matter where you're at right now in your life, good or bad, or even in the restoration part, God is your shepherd and you shall not want. That he makes you lay down in green pastures and he leads you beside still waters. That he restores your soul. He leads you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you have no need of fearing evil. For he is with you. For his rod is... And staff, they comfort you. That he prepares a table for you. In the presence of your enemies, that he anoints your head with oil, that your cup may overflow, and that for surely goodness and mercy may follow you all the days of your life, and that you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, if... You're one of God's sheep. And that is a comfort that goes beyond all understanding. 
But what if you're not one of his sheep? Is yes, there's common grace that life may be good and it may be bad. There may even be restoration periods. But if you're not one of his sheep, verse six is not for you. Surely goodness and mercy will not follow you all the days of your life and you will not dwell in the house of the Lord forever unless, unless he calls your name and you come to the resolution, the, the realization that God is perfect and holy and that you're not and that you have sinned against him and in sinning against him, you have separated yourself from this good shepherd. And that this good shepherd sent his son into the world so that he could be the great shepherd that would redeem and save those who would believe and trust in him. And so then what you do is you admit that you're a sinner. And not only admitting that you're a sinner, you admit that you're a dumb sheep that needs a shepherd to lead you and guide you. That you don't have this life figured out. And in doing so, that you would turn away from the things of this world and you would trust in this shepherd. Not that you would trust in him perfectly. It's not even based on your faith that you're saved, but it's a pure, purely based on the grace of God and the mercy of God displayed in the cross and presented in the word. And that you would just communicate with the Father that you're in need of a Savior. Regardless of where you stand this morning, if you're one that the sheep, the shepherd has called and you've responded, and this is a reminder to you, or if you're here and you hear the shepherd calling, um, I'm here and David's here if you would like to talk. Um, and then there's others in the room as well. But the beautiful thing about it is that we don't have to have everything figured out because we have a shepherd that is leading us through it all. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you. God, we pray now that as we sing a song, we sing that it is well with my soul. God, my prayer would be exactly that, that it would be well with our soul. God, even if it's not okay with our soul, and even if we're not completely there mentally, that we think that's it going to be okay, that, God, you'd give us the comfort in the work of your spirit that, that we could sing the words it is well and actually mean it. God, we thank you for David, and we thank you for the psalm that he written uh, in the inspiration of your spirit in Psalm 23. God, I pray that we do see you as our good shepherd and that we shall not want and that you will keep us forever and evermore. In your son's holy name, amen.